morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Tuesday, March 9th. Today on the show, we will visit with Chris Lee of VandySports.com to evaluate Jerry Stackhouse at the end of his second season and what's actually worth watching with the Nashville Predators these days. But we begin with the historical context of the Isaiah Wilson saga now that the Titans have dumped last year's first-round draft pick. The 440 is built every morning by the Kingston Group, Nashville's award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. All of their work is absolutely ridiculous. Kitchens, bathrooms, suites, outdoor living spaces, custom garages, it's all amazing. My wife and I find ourselves just scrolling through their outdoor spaces every day. We don't even need to watch renovation TV shows anymore. We just go scroll through their work, and that gives us our fix. Check them out. BuildKG.com is the website. That's where you'll find all the really good stuff that they do. You can also check them out on Facebook as well, at BuildKG. Their work speaks for itself. Isaiah Wilson is no longer a Tennessee Titan. Well, assuming he passes a physical and doesn't do anything stupid before the league opens for business on March 17th. The Tennessee Titans traded the first-round pick to the Miami Dolphins for, wait for it, a swap of seventh-rounders. The Titans will get Miami's seventh-round pick in next month's 2021 draft, and the Titans send their 2022 seventh-round pick to Miami. Look, Wilson doesn't play quarterback and wasn't even picked in the top 25. He was the 29th overall pick, so he was basically a second-rounder. The conversation about biggest busts in NFL history has to be reserved for guys taken at the top of the draft who destroyed the immediate future of their franchises long term. Probably not since the new rookie salary wage scale was implemented would anyone actually qualify for this conversation since the risk is so much lower now. The Jamarcus Russells of the world are 10 times bigger busts, for example, because he was taken so much higher, played a premium position, and cost the team so much more money. So let's hit pause on the historical context around Wilson's bustiness from an NFL history standpoint. That said, it's one of the worst draft picks the Titans have ever made and is arguably the worst decision of the John Robinson era. That part is all true. In less than 12 months in Nashville, Wilson was busted by TSU police at an unauthorized party trying to jump off a second-story balcony, got into two wrecks, including one extremely stupid and dangerous DUI arrest, was sent to the COVID list twice, played a grand total of three snaps in one game as a rookie, and was suspended right as his teammates were making a playoff run. Just one of those things would raise questions about any normal player. So not only have the Titans rid themselves of the headaches, but also a little cash as well. They do not have to pay Wilson his base salary, obviously, of $4.6 million total over the next three seasons. However, the guaranteed signing bonus money of roughly $4.5 million will go on the Titans cap this year, according to OverTheCap.com. Again, all of this assuming the guy can pass a physical, which is no guarantee at this point. Fingers crossed that this is the end of a very bad situation for all parties. And hopefully the change of scenery will help the 22-year-old although the proximity to South Beach reduces those odds significantly. The Nashville Predators are back on the ice on Tuesday night at Carolina. 6 p.m. Central Time is the puck drop. And I guess there's two things that I'm keeping an eye on. I, I don't really know if I care all that much about it. can they put together a winning streak. Or, you know, I guess when, when they get to five or six games in a row, then maybe I'll start caring about that. But really, it's it's two big things. Obviously, watching the trade rumors and, and seeing what pieces might be available to move and or acquire for the National Predators before the deadline. But also, number two, let, let's find out, again, if we're in the let the kids play phase, let's find out what these guys are made of. 
And Matthew Olivier has been maybe the most entertaining player to watch on the entire team outside of Philip Forsberg the entire season. So let, let's see which one of these guys wants it. Let's find out who is a piece that this franchise can build around. So every single time out, there is something to watch. It doesn't mean the team's going to win a lot of games or that you're going to have a whole lot of fun. But there is some stuff to watch and some things to keep an eye on. Can Alex Carrier become a defenseman on this team? Should Matias Ekholm get traded? Those are the types of things you're keeping an eye on. So, again, not a whole lot to watch in terms of, you know, are they getting back in the playoff race? But at Carolina, they're 0-2 on the season against the Hurricanes. This is a really exciting Hurricanes team to watch. Let's see what the young kids have got, and let's keep an eye on that trade deadline. 6 p.m. puck drop on Tuesday night. The SEC tournament is about to get started at Bridgestone Arena on Wednesday. Vanderbilt will play against Texas A&M, and college baseball is already in full swing, both of which were shut down exactly one year ago this week. So let's bring in Chris Lee of VandySports.com to tell us exactly where this Vanderbilt rotation ranks in Commodore baseball history and how fans should go about evaluating head coach Jerry Stackhouse as his second season on West End is about to come to a close. Well, there's two things that I think are points in his favor, right? They've gone deep into two seasons where they didn't have a lot of expectation coming in. And as you get deep into the season and you're probably going to be last place, a lot of teams can mail it in, right? Well, his teams have not mailed it in. Deep into February and March, they have played some of their best basketball and have pulled some upsets. So I think that speaks to something, right? I think the other thing is talent development. And you look at what he's done with Aaron Neesmith in the limited or partial season last year, what he did with Saban Lee across all of last year. Both those guys got drafted. Both are playing in the NBA right now. You look this year, what he's done with Scottie Pippen, he's made him into a kid who, on a good team, is probably an SEC Player of the Year candidate. As it is, he's probably going to be a first-team All-SEC player. Dylan DeSue was leading the league in rebounding before he got hurt. I think you look at development and buy-in, I think he's got that. Now, my concern is valuation and some other things. Is it related to recruiting? His recruiting classes have not been good. His one next year is no great shakes and the transfers he's brought in with Quentin Malora Brown and DJ Harvey. I think you'd have to both classify as misses so far. So I think the criticism is you look at what he's done with other people's players and he's had good results with the really good ones, but you look at what he's brought in and what he's recruited for next year. And I think that's where the questions are. Can, can they win a game or two in the tournament this week? Well, I mean, they got the matchup you'd think you'd want with Texas A&M, but having said that, A&M can make a game ugly at times. And A&M, give the Aggies credit, right? They've played two really good games right off the bat after a month off, which I didn't expect. But I think the concern is you saw the way Ole Miss played Vanderbilt and just completely shut down that offense. A&M can muck up a game like that, too. I, I don't know that it's as good a matchup in some ways as it might look on paper. But again, let's say that I don't think any of us saw them winning the games. They've won in late February the last couple of years coming into those either. But let's switch to baseball real quickly. And I know fans aren't really into this yet, but they should be, especially in this city, one of the best baseball programs, if not the best baseball program in the country, and two elite-level pitchers in, in, in lighter and rocker. In general, how does this rotation and this particular team stack up talent-wise to some of Tim Corbin's best rotations in the past? I think it's the most talented one he's ever had. And you got to preface that by saying they missed most of last year and missed all the conference season. And the 10 games they played so far aren't against what they're going to play. But you listen to scouts and you're hearing Kamar Rocker and Jack Light are both in the conversation at one overall. I've seen them both throw every pitch they've thrown this year. They look like aces. I mean, Leiter's got five pitches. Kamar has got 
probably two and a half at this point. And the two that he's got are, are just phenomenal. I mean, and look, these guys haven't hit the stride yet. They're both a little bit wild right now. They're missing their spots some, but nobody's hitting them anyway. And I think the thing that goes untalked about with this team, you look from three down all the way to maybe number 14 or 15 on that team. I think that staff is as deep with great arms as they've ever had. Now, I'll, it is a staff that I think potentially as many great ones as they've had, I think this one could be Tim Corbin's best. Real quickly, I know from a distance, is Tennessee actually have a baseball program this year? You know, I was very interested to see how Tennessee did against Georgia State because I saw Georgia State play four games in Nashville last weekend. That team competes, man. For Tennessee to go in and sweep that series, I thought was a big thing for the Vols. The pitching has been really good. I don't know that I'm sold on the lineup. They lost some really good bats from last year. But I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you have to be really pleased with what the Vols have shown so far. Special thanks to Chris Lee from VandySports.com. Of course, you can listen to the Vandy Sports Podcast, the best Vandy podcast in the world, right here on the 440 Sports Network. The best rotation in Tim Corbin's entire career. It's a pretty bold statement there from Chris. And I think it's correct to evaluate Jerry Stackhouse on the two seasons in, in a very sort of split fashion. Number one, I think his teams clearly get better over time, over the course of the season. They do not quit. They buy in, and he develops talent, just as Chris said. But the questions about Jerry Stackhouse have always been on the recruiting trail. Have you built a staff that can go out and recruit high enough level talent? It doesn't have to be elite, but it has to be Kevin Stallings level talent to win at a higher level than just three to five games per year. And that is going to be the question for Jerry Stackhouse moving forward. Vanderbilt gets things started in the SEC tournament against Texas A&M on Wednesday night in game one of this year's tourney. The 440 is built every morning by the Kingston Group, Nashville's award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. Building a new home or new addition to your home is a huge decision. It's super complicated, and it's a big-ticket item. The Kingston Group knows this and wants to make the process as painless as possible by working through every single minute detail on the front end. You want to be proud of your home. You want to be happy in your home. And, oh, by the way, you want to make money off of your home. Custom remodels or additions do all of this. And the Kingston Group, with their in-house design team, is the best way to get it done. Their work is exceptional. Check it out at buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.